Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And we welcome everyone back and my broadcast partner for the last 19 seasons, uh, who has obviously endured a lot, uh, joins us now, Dick Girardi. DJ, welcome. Thank you, Steve. And yes, endurance is my middle name. <laughs> uh, team has its back to the wall on the morning of February 14th. They are 14 and 11. They're 5 and 9 in the conference. And uh, your advice was simple, win them all. Well, they've won 5 of 6. In this six-game streak, what have been some of the common threads that's allowed them to succeed? Yeah, I mean, individually, obviously, Jalen Pickett went wild, right? He had the 41-point game in the first game of the six against Illinois, then backed it up with a huge game at Minnesota. Um, so that was the first part of it. I think they got their confidence back, Steve, even in the loss at Maryland. They got to that point where it was, say, 14-11. and 11. 5-9 and nine of the league, and that carried through, I think, really the rest of the season. And the biggest difference was, unlike earlier, when they were losing all the close games, all of a sudden they started winning all but the Rutgers game. Uh, it, Minnesota was close. Ohio State was close. And obviously the last two were decided on the last shot of the game. Uh, but both went Penn State's way. And over time, that is generally supposed to even out. Um, there have been seasons when it has not, um, but this year it's kind of just about 500 on those one possession games in the final five minutes. And and now the I think we said this on the broadcast, but the the results have now mirrored the performance. This team has always played like an NCAA team. Now they have the results and the resume of an NCAA. When you look at the small lineup. Uh, that as what we referred to. In other words, they bring Miles Dredd onto the floor, they take the center mm-hmm. off the floor, or it could be an Evan Mahaffey. Why has that yep. been so successful? I think it's a really, really hard to guard. Uh, most importantly, I think teams freak out guarding it. And I think it affects their offenses, Steve, because they often take their big men off the floor. And obviously that's Penn State's Achilles heel is they're just they're not uh, they're just not. They're not a big team, and defending the post and the, and and layups has been the hardest thing for this group to do. So by having the other team be uh, kind of so concerned about defending your offense, actually, I think also helps makes makes Penn State's defense better. And 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 to amplify on your first question, obviously one of the biggest differences has been Cameron Winter. Yep. He's been awesome in this stretch, uh, and obviously had two straight game winners. But it wasn't just those game winners. He has played really well. And, again, this is coaching and a feel for your team. And Cam was struggling. I mean, he had lost his starting spot for a couple of games. And he was mostly struggling because he couldn't make a jump shot. Uh, and Mike just said, hey, you know what? Go do what you do. If find your spot on the floor where you're comfortable. Well, he started to feel comfortable again. Drove, got to the mid-range. And now all of a sudden he's hitting everything, threes included. So, yeah, I think that, that was a huge individual part uh, of this late run. I mean, Cam had a really good start to this season, Yeah, and it's a long year, and he's the only one that had a couple games where he wasn't as good as he was in others, but he's been great, and to have a player of his experience and, and actually has an NCAA resume, he's been in the tournament, he's won a conference tournament, I think that's going to be gigantic, and obviously cool. game, two straight game-winning shots, three and a, and a follow layup. Uh, it doesn't get much more dramatic than that. 
He told us uh, the other day when we talked to him about how he's learned to play the game with Pickett. Yep. Uh, let's face it, Dick. You and I both know that for him, who was so, you know, for the most part, ball-centric at Drexel, that would be quite an adjustment for him. For sure. And not only are you no longer the primary ball handler, you're on a team where one guy has the ball almost all the time, uh, as he should. I mean, Pickett is going to start making, as they're announcing All-American teams, I think he's Sporting News announced theirs today. He's on the second team All-American team, and you know, hopefully, he makes a couple first teams because he deserves it. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it was a huge adjustment. And when you're used to playing with it, you know, when do you cut? When do you play off it? And, and clearly, a couple times like after the, I can't remember if it was with us or when I was listening to the post game um, on the way home, but somebody. I think, was, I think it was the post game. Somebody was asking Mike about that last play, and he said, you know, obviously we're going to give the ball to Pickett, let him make a decision, and if they're guarding him one-on-one, like Ohio State did at the end, he's just going to go score. Yeah. Um, and then he had three players around the three-point line to, to spread the defense, and then he put Winner in the dunker spot on the opposite side from where Pickett was in case there's a rebound. Well, <laughs> there was a rebound, <laughs> yeah. and he was there, and he got it. Uh, that's great coaching because I don't know that I've ever, I, maybe other people have done that, but that was pretty cool. I mean, the odds on that ball coming there were slim when it was shot sure. because of where it was shot from. But you know what? You can't get it if you're not there. And, of course, then the ball got tipped there. And it was Seth said in the, in the post game that he tipped it uh, over to winner. I, I mean, I saw a lot of Maryland players there. Frankly, I, I couldn't tell who tipped what. But the good news is for Penn State, the ball bounced correctly for them. Well, yeah, Seth was. Seth says he's the one that tipped it over to him. Look, he knew he missed it because he was charging yep. the bucket. Absolutely. Uh, when you, you know, you and I have been around Seth Lundy and Miles Dredd uh, more than any other player on this team because they were they are the fourth and fifth year players respectively on this team. They put themselves in this spot. Uh, I thought we heard the genuine emotion from Miles in the post game. We talked to him about what being in this spot means to him. Yeah, yeah, Steve. I, I, look, three years ago was it was such a good team. I mean, it's yeah. like it, it, there can't be many better teams in the history of Penn State basketball than that team. And by the way, I don't know if people saw Lamar Stevens in overtime last night against Boston going wild, but. Uh, made a couple of big moves. But, yeah, the fact that they didn't get an opportunity was, yeah, look, a lot of teams didn't. Nobody got an opportunity to play, but, you know, Duke plays in it every year. Uh, Penn State doesn't get that chance. And for Lamar and Mike Watkins, and I, I should have mentioned him Sunday, but obviously John Harris, such an right. integral part of the program, sure. didn't get to play in a tournament they deserved to play in. It's just so cool for Miles. And Seth, who are the last remaining players from that team, that they're going to get a shot, and I do think they're going to get a shot to play. Uh, and they can represent all the guys that didn't get a chance to play. Uh, and, of course, all the guys like Jalen Pickett, who are getting, he's going to get his first shot at Andrew Funk, and guys who've had great storied careers who just need one, just need a bow on top, and, and they're going to get it. And, and I've been telling people this for weeks. I said, if Penn State gives in, they are going to be one of the most dangerous Big Ten teams because of how they play. And nobody has seen – they just nobody plays like that. I mean, literally nobody in the country plays like that. Right. And ex- well, exactly. 
uh, because the Big Ten, the problem they'll have in the tournament, at least my opinion, is so much of the game is played in a phone booth. And, you know, there's a big wide 94 by 50 world out there. Uh, yeah. And, and that's, yep. that's, that to me is a big difference. And Penn State plays that way. Yeah. Penn State uses it. And in a league where hardly anybody runs, obviously Iowa, Iowa runs, they're trying to yeah. outscore you. That's why there's so much fun to watch. Penn State will run with anybody. Uh, they just don't get that much opportunity in the Big Ten because nobody wants to run. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to go slow. Yeah. Uh, so I think if they're, in a tournament setting with another team that's looking at them going, yeah, I don't know, not all that athletic, and they're kind of small, and they want to run up and down the court, yeah, they could knock out 15 threes and blast that team right on out of there. But, you know, that, that's fun, and that's speculation, and, you know, that's for next week. But, You're right. you know, what's in front of them uh, is an opportunity to just enhance the resume, right? Just what have we been saying? Just win. Just win as many games as you can exactly. win. Exactly. They're able to win Thursday. That would be they'd be up to twenty wins, which isn't the number magic number that it used to be, but it's still a real good number to have. Yeah. Um, and it's it the draw is fascinating because if the seats hold at the um, bottom of the bracket, and Penn State if they if they win, they would then play Northwestern, and then they would play Indiana. They're four zero against them. Right. And so yeah, what does it mean? I. Yeah, who knows? It's it's weird, right? But I mean, they pounded Illinois twice. They pounded Indiana, and obviously beat Northwestern on the last second shot. But to me, the one matchup that's the most difficult for them is is Purdue, just because of the strength and yeah. and Edie. Uh, although I think they could actually play with them in the right circumstance. Last time was not the right circumstance when a player has hit what nine threes the rest of the season, made nine threes right. in the game. Exactly. Like, I mean, what was that all about? But. Yeah, I think they're competitive with everybody, uh, but it's not like they're uh, any anybody stands above anybody else in the league. And I think the standings really reflect that. Um, and even now, like Minnesota played Wisconsin down to the wire the other night. Yep. There's there's no game you would feel terribly confident saying, "Well, I know that's going to happen." I right. I don't remember the league ever being this close. You know, I I thought three years ago was one of the best leagues uh, since I've been doing this. I thought there were three or four teams that could have made the Final Four that year. Um, I don't know if that's the case this year, but I do know it's Chicago's going to be fun because like every game could be like the last week was, right? With one, yeah. one crazy finish after another. Penn State has had success with Illinois during the course of this season. Why? Yeah, I, I, think, I think a couple things, Steve. I think they, they were able to use, certainly in the first game, Illinois was playing a very different style than they're playing now, but they were able to use how aggressive they were chasing the ball against them, um, and really Illinois never could figure out what was happening. Right. And then, in the, and then in the second game, they they they're not, and it'd be interesting to see. I, I got to think Brad Underwood's going to change what they've done again, but they were they were singling picket the whole game. They never ran a second guy. That's right. And they tried every defender they had. And none of them could do anything with him. I mean, it was just one of those days where he was just phenomenal from all over the court and making threes. So I think I think they don't have a great matchup for Pickett, and hardly anybody does when you try to single cover him. And I think that as, as athletic as they are, when you watch them, they will take they take some wild shots. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes wild shots lead to runouts. And 
I mean, they're dangerous because they're so athletic. And, you know, a guy like Shannon could hit eight threes. Yeah. Uh, but he could also go over it. <laughs> you, right. you, you hope it's the day that they're going they're going over. But, yeah, they're, they're probably of the teams in the Big Ten. I would say they're the least predictable as to what might happen. Exactly. I agree. Um, they have a lot of young, talented players and a lot of older, talented players. But none of these players have ever really played with each other until this year, and there's games like against Texas when they made the great comeback, they look great. And there's other games that look like they never played together. Right. So I'm sure Coach Underwood is having that same feeling when he, when he watches his team play. But, I mean, they're, look, they're dangerous, but they're no more dangerous than Maryland would be or or Michigan or anybody else. I mean, you're going to have to play one of these teams. And I think the fact that they've beaten them pretty handily twice, I think it puts a little... Yeah, I wonder, Illinois, maybe they're questioning the situation, right? Well, wait a second. We got hammered by this team. Maybe they tried too hard. Uh, but, again, I <laughs> I don't dislike the matchup, but you got to go do it. Now. Yeah, right. good, news is, good news is Penn State's playing their best ball of the year at the time when you want to be right. playing the best ball. Plus, Epps has been out the last two yep. games. He got a concussion. Yeah. I guess he got – I think it was in practice. He got an elbow that, to the right. jaw. Yeah. So there's and, some question whether he'll play. And he, he played. He had played well. Yeah, down the stretch. And that he means Shannon's point. been the point guard. And when he's the point guard, that means he's the smallest guy out there at six six. Yeah. Now they they are huge. And it's the other thing that's interesting is their defensive numbers, unlike say uh, Rutgers or Northwestern, they're more based on block shots than yes. steals. That's right. Well, it's hard to block shots against a team that's launching 33. Right. So that's one of the reasons their defense has maybe not been as effective against Penn State as it's been against a lot of the rest of the league, which is more oriented toward getting the ball to the rim with Edie and Jackson Davis and, and Dickinson and all the really good centers in the league. So Penn State's kind of that, that's kind of an antidote for a shot-blocking team when you're post, you're strictly a perimeter-oriented team, which Penn State is. And when they go to the rim, it's mostly just picket. And Illinois is clearly, especially after the first game when they got three-balled to death, they're clearly scared of, of singling picket because they know. Like in the last two games, right, they, everybody was double-teaming them. So what did he have? I think he had 18 assists and two turnovers in right. the last game, right. last two games, so. You can you can double team all you want, but he, he's going to find somebody open. And on that team, when they're open, it's usually from three. And when they're making them, it adds up in a hurry. March Madness is basketball, but it doesn't mean it can't translate to other venues. <laughs> uh, I was driving in the car, and for some reason, I was drawn to Horse Racing Network. Down the stretch. Down the stretch. Dave Johnson, Bill Spencer. The great Dave Ford. Johnson. Yep. E- even better guy. Indeed. Yep. Uh, the legend, uh, down the stretch, thanks, huh? The legend. And I heard this familiar voice <laughs> talking about a Parks version of March Madness. Right. So that. Today, Steve, at the track, my home track where I go, it's like 20 minutes from where I live, in beautiful Ben Salem, PA, in Bucks County, is hosting what they are calling Parks Madness, uh, <laughs> where they're, they're having 11 races, three of them are stakes races, the other eight are named after 
the big five schools, uh, Drexel, Delaware Valley University, and Penn State. And each of the races is, just has like a name, and it's in honor of Penn State. And a number of the former coaches and players from Penn State are going to and other than the other schools are going to be at the track today. They just have a good time. Uh, ben Luber, I believe, is going to make an appearance as a Penn Stater. Of course, Ben played in the early 2000s. He was recruited by Jerry Dunn, played four years for Coach Chellis from Council Rock High School, now the head coach at the George School in Newtown, PA, which won their first ever Friends League championship this yeah. year. Uh, so Ben will be there. Mike Breezewick, who you called a number of Mike's games when he was playing for Coach Channing at Temple. Mike will be yep. there with some of his teammates. Rashid Bay from St. Joe's. <laughs> the great Speedy Mars uh, from LaSalle. Harry Perretta, the Hall of Fame women's coach at Villanova, big racetrack guy. Two people will be out there. Everybody will have a good time. And uh, we'll get ready for uh, Mark's Madness. We'll get us ready for March Madness. Yeah. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask if there's any horse we should keep an eye on in these early races, not just at parks, but across the country, as we start thinking about the first Saturday in May. Yeah, I mean, the two-year-old champ, uh, Forte, made his 2023 debut Saturday, Steve, and could not have been any more impressive. Right. Won the fast at Gulfstream Park for yep. Todd Fletcher, who, of course, was one of the legends in the game, and if the Derby was run today, he would be the favorite. Uh, but I'm going to give you a horse who's only run twice. Uh, he's going to run next, probably in a Santa Anita Derby. Yep. Uh, named Arabian Knight. Uh, he's probably the most talented of the bunch. Now he's caught up at the whole Baffert lunacy. Um, like Baffert can run horses anywhere right now, except at Churchill Downs' own tracks. And of course, the problem is. Churchill Downs owns Churchill Downs, which happens to be where the Kentucky Derby is held. Yeah. So through this year's Kentucky Derby, Baffert cannot run horses there. So Arabian Knight's training has it's been uh, sent to another trainer named Tim Yachtin, yep. who had a lot of the Baffert horses last year. The difference between this year and last year with the Baffert horses, Baffert is not banned from the track. Last year he had a 90-day suspension at this time. Uh, a general suspension for what happened in the 2021 Derby with Medina Spirit. Yeah. That's long over. So Baffert will be there. Uh, technically, he's not supposed to be overseeing the training of Arabian Night, but he can watch the horse <laughs> on the track every day. Uh, he can see what's going on, and I suspect he, Mr. Yakteen might be having a few conversations. But uh, anyway, I, I, that, that's a real talent. So, yeah, we're getting, we're, through, we're getting through the second series of Derby preps. And then the final, the final right. series usually comes the first first week in uh, April. Florida Derby, Santa Anita Derby, Bluegrass Stakes, Arkansas Derby, Wood Memorial, all the familiar names, and then they'll start to sort themselves out as they head for uh, Kentucky in the first Saturday of May. But yeah, I mean, I could go on a riff about the whole Baffert Churchill Dam thing, just, just silly. But and uh, we will but, at some point. <laughs> yeah, it, we will after, after this uh, this particular edition of the Derby. Baffert can go anywhere anytime. Mm -hmm. So. That, that ban from Churchill will be over. To paraphrase Bill Belichick, on to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I have slightly afternoon flight. When are you going out? To uh, tomorrow, let's say Wednesday at uh, slightly afternoon. Yeah, there you go. All yeah. right, well, I'll, 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 be, I'll be awaiting you with the sheriff. Well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Thanks, DJ. Yes, sir. Thank you, pal.